Hello folks, this is Pamela Brewer welcoming you to this edition of 530 here on Mind Talk. 530 is the name of our new series for Transition Tuesdays in which we are talking to someone who is typically behind the scenes but this but today is actually in in front of the scenes if you will on mic i am happy to welcome jim brown to the conversation jim was diagnosed with mixed dementia on may 30th hence the name of the series 530 jim welcome back to mind talk uh, it's a pleasure to be here jim you have been getting responses from folks about your uh, about your diagnosis and about the conversation we had last week. Can you share some of those responses with folks? Well, if people are are are, um, are, are extremely uh, supportive, they have given me uh, a lot of uh, encouragement in terms of how to to deal with my situation and, and, and deal with who I am, uh, which says to me that I need to keep talking about this. The more I talk about it, the better I feel about what's going on with me. And what is actually going on with you is, as I said a few minutes ago, you were given a diagnosis of mixed dementia, uh, Alzheimer's with vascular involvement, and you made the decision to bring that story to the fore, to really talk to people about what your experience is. But today I'd like to talk a little bit more about your history, because we just met a little bit of you when we spoke earlier. So tell us a little bit about the professional history uh, of Jim Brown. <laughs> Where do I start? I started in the industry, uh, got 30-some years ago. And what industry is that? Uh, in, in the communications industry. Okay. I started in, uh, in film. I worked in film for many years, and then uh, from film I went into radio and television, and then a lot in television. And, uh, and then from television I went into education, and I started to, to teach on the university level. Uh, and I taught university for for seven years, and then went into uh, academia in terms of management. I be began to run in, run a training program, and and uh, actually worked uh, there for many years. Worked there, being where? At Howard University. And that's Howard University in Washington D.C. That's true. Jim, you say that you have a 30-plus year history. I actually think it's a 50-plus year history. Is that possible? <laughs> That's possible. I may have, not, I may have, <laughs> I may have miscounted here or there, but it's, I think it's about 56 years. Okay, so you shaved off a few years for a minute. <laughs> yeah, but that is not, not deliberately. I just didn't just remembered that uh, I started in 1960-something. Well, let, let me ask you this, Jim. Um, when you, you are an African-American man, uh, when you started in the industry 50-some-odd years ago, were there a lot of people of color in the field? Were there, you tell me, were there a lot of men? Were there a lot of people of color? What, what was the, the racial landscape like when you began working in the media? 
I worked the company that I started working with. Uh, there were two African American people in the whole company. Uh, one was female, and then myself. What was the name of the company? Do you recall? Yeah, it was called um, Henry Strauss Productions. And okay, and that York. was where? In New York. Okay. And it was there. Uh, it was there that I worked for uh, for several years, and I started off as a production assistant, and then worked many years as a, as as a production assistant. But in 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 doing that, production assistant in those days meant a variety of things because you were uh, working with the the directors, you were working with the producers, you were working with uh, editors, and you were assistant editors. You were in those days, you're working with films, so you you're clipping films, splicing film, you're doing a variety of different uh, tasks that uh, uh, today are, no, are not even uh, thought of. But that's 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 how I got started, and that's that's what made made it such an interesting thing for me. So it sounds like for you at that time, being a production assistant literally meant assisting in every aspect of the production yes and in those days film production was was, was was much different from what it is today and it was uh, uh, something that uh, that allowed a person working on that level to get involved in a variety of different kinds of tasks uh, you actually were able to learn and see every development of a film being made from being able to read the script, from being able to listen in on the production meetings and the and hear and, and listen to the director uh, barking out orders and barking out commands to people of, about how the production was going to go, and listening even to the uh, to the to the executives uh, discussing money matters and so forth. I was able to do all of that with uh, a great deal of freedom. And was able to to learn a great deal about uh, about how the business was running and, 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 and what was going on. Jim, I'm I'm losing you a little bit, so I'm just going to ask you to Speaking. raise your voice. Uh, okay. Um, as an at you said that it, when you worked at Henry Strauss Productions in New York, there were two persons of color at the company. How large was the company? Uh, at that time, we had a maybe. 30 people at the entire company. Okay. 30, 40 people. Never, it was never a large, large company. It was about uh, 25, 30 people. But, but, but on any given time, on any given production, there was more than 100 people working on different films and different projects. Huh. But not, uh, not in the office itself. In the office, it was a very uh, compact, very family-oriented type uh, company that, that provided uh, a great deal of... Uh, of friendship and freedom for for those of us who, who worked there. And we were all working pretty much together as a small small group. So it sounds like you have very fond memories of Henry Strauss Productions. Yeah, I did. And in terms of being an African-American man in the media as you started, what was the climate like? Then you're talking about an era and uh, a time when uh, there was a lot of uh, racial tension on the outside not very much inside. Uh, there were a few people who had some obvious uh, uh, racial problems that I could identify, but not. Uh, I, I wasn't affected by by the racial climate in America 
as much in that company as I would have on the outside of the company because at that time also I was also very much involved with uh, community work in, in various other parts of, of New York, like, like up in Harlem and, and, and different places. I was working there with community groups and uh, I was able to get uh, a lot of, um, of uh, knowledge and experience from from working with folks outside of that company uh, that I would not have gotten uh, had I stayed within the company and not done anything else. One of the things I, I just want to take an, a, a moment to comment on, Jim, um, you're here with us talking about your life and, and certainly that what brings you uh, to the front of the mic um, is the fact of your recent diagnosis and how it's impacting you. And as we're talking about your history, I, I just want to underscore, as I will likely continue to do so, that having a diagnosis of this sort doesn't mean that your life stops right then and there and that everything is then gone. You are very well able to recall important parts, certainly of your history, uh, and important people in your history. We're going to go to a break right now, but when we come back, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit more about your life when you left Henry Strauss and really began to blossom in your career and meet so many people who were so significant in your life. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. Jim, we are going to shift gears a little bit now, as I said, to your uh, the rest of your professional life as you left Henry Strauss. What were some of the places you worked that people might be familiar with? Who were some of the people that you met along the way? Uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, different companies that back. As I said, while I was working at Henry Strauss, I was also working in, uh, in, in, in different parts of New York City in terms of community, uh, working with um, uh, a variety of different groups uh, because it was a time when uh, the civil rights um, uh, struggles were going on and being that time still being community-minded, even though I was working downtown New York, I was still very much involved in the community uptown. And uh, many of the groups that I worked with were involved very heavily into civil rights and, and, and into the variety of different uh, uh, elements that were going on. I mean, we were, we, were, we were protesting, we were marching, we were going through a variety of different Things that uh, that in eventually became uh, um, uh, struggles for, for for many of us. When you say we and us, who were some of the people you met along the way? Do you recall having a hard time remembering some of their names? Well, no, it's not that. It's just that 
that I, if I start naming names, I'm going to forget people. <laughs> I and, think you're allowed. <laughs> and and it's very difficult to, uh, to, 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 I don't like to recall my history that way. I don't like to, to do that because what happens is I, I'll always leave some very important people out, some people who are dear to me out, and I don't want to do that. I just want to talk about uh, the time and, and the kind of things that we went through during that time. Uh, so I don't want to start naming names. Okay. At some point, you left New York, and you went to the Washington, D.C. area. And I know there were other areas uh, in between and after. You spent a lot of your time in the Washington, D.C. area at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Is that correct? That's correct. Can you tell us a little bit about those experiences? Oh, God, there was a variety of different kinds of uh, experiences. When I, when I left New York, uh, I had begun my what I call my teaching career uh, with the uh, NET uh, TV uh, school, uh, uh, training school. And I started teaching there, but then I, when I left... That was in New York, the WNET yeah, TV film school? Right. That's, that was in New York. Then when I left New York, I came down to Howard uh, to work at Howard University uh, to teach there. I was one of the, f I was on the first wave of faculty members for the then new school of communications, and we got there and uh, began my my teaching career there. That was the first time I had ever taught on a university level. Mm. I had taught. Uh, in communities and, 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 and in small colleges and so forth before, but not at, at, a, at a, what I call a prestigious universities like Howard. I had never taught at that level before. And it was very, very challenging for me because I was never, had never actually spent that much time and that much energy in an academic institution. Now, you were working at Howard University, as we've been saying, in Washington, D.C. So a number of the faculty and the students there were people of color. Why was it important for you at that time to have the opportunity to teach students of color about the business of media? Well, on the other hand, Howard, <laughs> Howard University was the... Was the the majority of the people that I came in contact with at Howard were, were African-American people. Okay. Uh, there were very few white people that I came in contact with at Howard. Most of the people were, were African-American people. So the majority of my uh, experience at Howard was with I I in, in the African-American community and with the African-American experience. In fact, it was very uh, rewarding for me because I was able to be able to to get more engrossed in my own culture and, and all also into uh, 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 what I consider to be the future of what I was to, to do from, uh, from that point on. Uh, the kinds of skills that were important for you to have as a member of the media, as a member of the academic community, what were some of the the skills that were important in your job? Mostly, um, I had to really understand how people learn, how 
we learn as a people. How people learn. Learn. In other words, uh, it's not just, uh, um, uh, I had to understand the, the methods of teaching, the, method, the processes of, of education, and I had to understand it from a, from, 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 from a, from a black perspective, from an African-American perspective, which is in my, uh, and when I look back at it, it was much different from what uh, my colleagues were learning uh, because they had a, a whole different perspective, a whole different look at, at, at life than I did. What do you mean? Uh, I was looking at it from an African-American from an Afrocentric perspective, I see, and not necessarily that they were there was anything wrong with how they were looking at it, but that's how I was looking at it, and I was very concerned about how people felt about themselves and about me and about their education and about uh, how they were going to function in this industry, because I, I knew then already because I had already worked in the industry for like 30 years, and I knew that uh, it was very important for, for people to to understand how they fit into it and how they would work into it and how they would actually uh, uh, survive in the industry because it was very, very complex at that time with all the racial tension that was going on, and it was very easy for people to 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 get sidetracked into uh, a variety of different, um, it's very easy for people to get sidetracked into uh, a lot of political uh, uh, activities that would, side would take them away from their ability to function in that industry, in the industry. And I wanted to be able to, 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 to stay uh, close to, to through that cultural aspect of, 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 of the industry, as well as giving people the, 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 the tools and the skills that they would need to function in that industry. Why was it important for you to help people, to help your students see their work from a broad perspective, not only as technicians, whether editors, producers, writers, you name it, but also from an awareness of their their African-American skin colors. Why was that important for well, you at that time? It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the skin color itself. It was the, the experience, the, the African experience, the experience okay. of, being, of being a person who who had uh, a, a very uh, respectful feeling for self, uh, it was more important for, for that to me than anything else. Uh, if I went through the industry feeling as though I was a white person uh, and acting like I'm a white person, then I would not have been uh, as successful as I became. I would have been very, very, very distant from myself and not being, not having had the kind of of a worthy uh, growth and experience that I would need to function as a man in, in America. So I felt that it was very important for, for us to keep uh, hammering on to the, the, the self-respect that, 
that we have for each for ourselves and for each other so that we can as as we learn these skills we can apply these skills in a manner that will give um give us uh more strength as we as we as we as we mature in the in the in the in the in the in, in, the, uh, in the industry you know jim as, as i hear you talking about what the impetus was for you in your experiences some of the skills that I hear, certainly the ability to organize and coordinate if you're working with people in production and the various aspects of production um, that existed and, and exist. So I hear organizational skills, I hear coordination skills, I hear memory skills, I hear uh, analysis, a uh, lot of other skills that that you possessed and that you used to move yourself forward and to, and to move your students forward, if you will, or those, your colleagues, those you uh, came in contact with, with a diagnosis that you received on May 30th of mixed dementia, how does that comport with your experience of yourself as being a well-read, well-organized, uh, well uh, able to remember details, I mean minor details, uh, details that somebody watching a film or a production wouldn't even notice, but you had to notice every one. How, how do those two, how does that diagnosis come together with the person that you're introducing to us now? Um. The one thing that kept me focused was the fact that I always felt uh, a great deal of respect for myself. Uh, always felt that there was a that I was worth something, and uh, at that times when I would lose that 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 respect, I lose that confidence. But the most important thing is I try to make sure that all of the students understood that they were important in the in, in within themselves and that everything they did was important and so that whatever experiences i had at the time i valued them and i tried to get them to try to get the students to do the same thing so that when they would leave me they would be able to do what they needed to do on them on their own without uh me being there and uh, it was very important for me to, 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 to sort of instill in them that self-confidence, the fact that they could do whatever they wanted to do once they put their minds to it. Because most of the people who, who, who came to me <coughs> at that time were people who had no experience at all in media, none at all. I mean, they, 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 they only knew it from, from afar and had no real experience and no, no, no real contact with what was going on in the industry. So they... In order for them to function, it, they had to internalize it in a way that it became a part of their lives. And that's what I tried to force, not force, but I shouldn't say force, but that's what I tried to get all the students to understand, that if they were going to be in this industry, that they had to internalize the industry within themselves and, and become a part of it in a way that would make it easy for them to live and work in the industry. 
We're going to take a break, Jim, but when we come back, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more about you. You've been talking about the students. I want to hear your reflections on you. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back. Jim, we've just got a few moments left for this edition of 530 here on Mind Talk. And, and I want to bring you back to you because I notice when I ask you questions, um, your tendency seems to be to talk about others often. And that may be your comfort level. I think it is. But you've said you want people to understand your experience right now with this diagnosis. So as we wrap up today, I just want to bring you back a little bit, and we will certainly continue this dialogue, to the experience of you. You are a person whom you have experienced as being wise, as being thoughtful, as being careful, as being, in terms of what you're teaching and, and the, the depth and the integrity with which you have approached your colleagues and your students. You are a person who has valued your memory skills, your big picture skills, your tiny minute picture skills with a diagnosis of mixed dementia. How does that fit in with how you think about yourself? I think about myself as a person who has had a variety of experiences within the world, who've had uh, challenges and who had had opportunities and who had uh, uh, learned a lot from, from those experiences. And I like to I, I like to capture as much as that as possible in my dealing with people in other words I use try to use my life experience in dealing with people to um, to uh, to enhance my relationship with those people Jim yes you're talking about other people I know uh, but I'm talking about me in terms of how I uh deal with other people. I am the person who has to relate to people. And how I relate to people has to do with how I uh, have experienced life. My life is, is a life that, uh, that I value very much. And every action and every thought that I have, even in, even in this situation right here, I, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, I'm working on all of the kinds of uh, all of the, the different uh, uh, experiences that I've had to be able to say what I'm saying now. Uh, I'm saying what I say now because this is what I have experienced in my life. Does this diagnosis scare you? Yes, it always has because I, because I don't know, I didn't know what it was about. I've heard of Alzheimer's, I've heard of dementia, but I didn't know what it meant, uh, and I'm still learning what it means. So it's it's a matter of me staying focused on me, myself, and sharing what I know and what I learn as I go so that I'll be able to to, to let people know that it's 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 a condition that uh, 
that uh, has a great deal of survival uh, uh, potential to it, but it also is a very concern uh, aspect that has to be dealt with in a very serious way. And so I, I look at it that way, and I try to be very cognizant of the fact that that uh, I am a human being who has a condition that people have uh, have sort of, I shouldn't say wrote off, but pe people who have looked at it have decided that uh, once diagnosed that it's, uh, it's over. And I don't feel that way, and I don't, I'll never feel that way. Jim, we have, I believe, come to the end of our time for today. Um, as you know, you have agreed that we will continue these conversations as we walk with you along your path. And on behalf of those who have reached out to you uh, recently, having heard the beginning of our conversation and who will continue to reach out, I absolutely thank you and honor you for your courage uh, and your bravery in articulating your experiences now and then and in the days to come. Thank you. Thank you for, for this. And for those of you who are listening, uh, continue to, uh, to, um, to support and um, support those around you who may be suffering from the same condition that I am and be very supportive of them no matter how you feel about it, be very certain that you support what they're doing and what they're saying and listen very carefully at what they're saying and what they're doing. Thank you for that, Jim. And again, thank you folks for joining us on this edition of 530, which is a part of the Transitions Tuesday series here on MindTalk. MindTalk is brought to you regularly. You can listen to it at mindtalk.org. It's at several other platforms. You can get the list at the mindtalk.org website. If you would like to be in touch with Jim, you can email him at jim, J-I-M, at mindtalk.org, uh, M-Y-N-D-T-A-L. K.org. If you want to send an email to me, that's Pamela at mindtalk.org. And remember always, folks, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care.